So the not-so-secret reality of Wall Street is that products are sold and not bought. So I just want you to imagine an army, a legion of people. They're going to bring coffee and donuts to these brokerage offices or these FA offices, and they're going to be giving the mantra speech about Bitcoin. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And we have a very exciting episode of the program for you today with Anthony Scaramucci, founder and managing partner at Skybridge Capital, joining us on the other side of the mic. We've got a lot to talk about. As you were saying before we turned on the mics, a lot can change in a year, a lot can change in a quarter, a lot can change in a few weeks. But I want to start with maybe just some some personal stuff with you before we dive into a lot of the issues at hand, the, the cool topics shaping the market, maybe maybe what, what new blockchains you're possibly looking at. Who knows? Um, so there were headlines, right, about you being keen to sell some of Skybridge or selling it completely. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know who said I was selling Skybridge completely. I mean, all I'm trying to do is buy back the stake that we sold to Sam, which is now trapped in that bankruptcy, uh, morass, that sort of Bermuda triangle known as the bankruptcy, which I, yeah. I think or we'll be Bahama able to triangle. do. Yeah, exactly. Bahama triangle. So I think we'll be able to do it. But Frank, I got to ask you a question before we really get ripping here. Sure. Did you have a good time at Crypto Bahamas? I did, yes. Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the all-star peak events, right? I mean, we were, we, you know, I, I, I thought it was one of the best events that we ever put on, you know, and I've done these events for 15 years. I just feel like uh, it's been a big letdown and roller coaster ride from April of 2022 when we were both at Crypto Bahamas together. Yeah, but it seems like we're coming back. The the events that we had in um, Asia this this past summer kind of almost marked the very start of this new bull cycle. So I agree. everyone's now trying to get a piece of your events pie, as it were. They're they're trying yeah. to replicate salt to the best uh, the best of their ability. And I and I don't. By the way, I don't mind that. The more the merrier. We just did salt in Singapore. We attached the Singapore fintech week, and it was a great experience for both parties. You know, people were able to go back and forth between the two conferences. There were great cross networking events, and so uh, I'm open for business. We may end up doing a salt in Hong Kong, uh, mm-hmm. so your viewers and listeners should keep us in mind there. And again, we'll probably team up with somebody, but to dispel rumors. I'm looking Mm -hmm. to buy something. I'm not looking to sell. I'd like to buy back my stake, uh, which is a minority stake, non-voting stake, non-economic preference stake uh, from from the bankruptcy estate. And I'm looking to acquire possibly another fund of funds uh, to go into my core business or a crypto advisor. Uh, And so we're, we're in the marketplace to buy, not to sell. And uh, Frank, I'm 60 years young, January 6th of 1960, of 2024. I was born in 19. So this is my bet. I just don't know. I just don't know how to read. I had the headline link to Bloomberg. Yeah. Make an acquisition. Yes, make so an acquisition. Yeah. Okay, to yeah. So that's make an acquisition. That's more accurate. No, I have no interest in selling. Mm-hmm. I love my business. I love my work. Um, I will say this: you, you sons of bitches in crypto can age people. I mean, you know, you age like. I, know. I mean, this is like, I mean, but I mean, listen, I mean, uh, I've been in the space since uh, October of 2020 and 
I love the space. And I think that the space is a big part of the future for U.S. finance and global finance. And, um, I, you know, listen, I'm proud to tell you, we got there three years ahead of BlackRock. And we are the first outside mm-hmm. money in the BlackRock Bitcoin trust that is likely to get converted into an ETF. And I guess the only thing I'm slightly worried about right now, if you don't want me just sharing this, everybody, is the rug pull from a Gary Gensler. You know, Gary Gensler is Lucy and you and me, Frank, are Charlie Brown. Okay, we're stepping up to the football, ready mm-hmm. to kick the football. Is Gary going to pull the football from the industry again? And here's what I would say to people. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe it'll matter in the short term. Your uh, portfolio valuation will go down in the short term, but it really doesn't matter in the long term because the momentum is there. The ETPs and the ETFs are building around the world. Hong Kong is obviously getting approval to launch a cash Bitcoin ETF. You've got several of them up in Canada. You've got a few in Europe. And so it really doesn't matter. Um, He's lost several lawsuits. He'll lose the... uh, ensuing lawsuit if it does another rug pull, and you'll eventually get it here. So so the, the good news about our country still is a very flat country. Uh, we don't really have czars or dictators. If we did, Gary mm-hmm. would have his way, but we have a check and balance court system in the country. He keeps losing these court cases. And so that bodes well for the industry. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay, so looking uh, to the future, right? Uh, Anthony Scaramucci is looking to explore an mm-hmm. acquisition in the next 12 to 18 months, obviously kind of clear up the cap table mm-hmm. with the whole SAM uh, tie-in there, similar to what we had to do here at the block as well, which we were lucky enough to clear up last week. Um what what type of um, d- does the acquisition could a potential acquisition have anything to do with crypto or is it some different type of fund to fund strategy? Um, no, I would say I'm open minded. So if you have something in the crypto space you want to show me, I'll take a look. Um, I could buy a crypto fund. I could buy a crypto advisor. I looked at a few things in past for different reasons, um, but I'm also looking at fund to funds, core traditional fund to funds where. Maybe some of the founders are looking for exits and looking for some consolidation where we can pay them an earnout, something like that. I'm open to it. Um, some of the banks. Are you still looking at businesses? Yeah. Are you still looking businesses, at businesses yeah, within sure. the space? Businesses, asset management companies, uh, funds that are coming out of an asset management company. Um, there's some things in bankruptcy at the Silicon Valley Bank that we looked at. Unfortunately, I don't think they're ready to sell any of those yet, So, but we've looked at them. You know, and I'm I'm open minded, and uh, um, we're well capitalized, and you know, obviously we're having a great year, probably one of the best years of my career, and you know, I'm always bullish, so that's probably unfair, but I'm very bullish here, and not not saying that we can predict prices in the near term, but over the next twenty four to thirty six months, I think you have less supply in the marketplace and possibly lots more demand. That usually bodes well for prices. And so, um, you know, I, I can remember missing something seminal. And I think I may have shared this with you, but I got I got Amazon wrong. You know, I missed Amazon. Uh, mm. Warren Buffett said that uh, uh, Jeff Bezos gave this great speech at this event. He was explaining how it wasn't an internet bookseller in the year 2000 and it was going to sell everything. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to buy this. And then Warren Buffett came on and said, you know, this internet bookseller 
is worth more than Sears Roebuck. How is that possible? Could you imagine that? All the bricks and mortar at Sears being worth less than this uh, internet bookseller. And of course, you know, that's out of business and Amazon is about to overtake Walmart uh, as the largest retailer in the country and it doesn't have the cost footprint of Walmart. Uh, that's what's going on in Web3. You know, this payment system, this tokenization, the uses of things like Bitcoin or Ethereum or Matic uh, are going to exponentially grow. And you and I are going to be transacting with each other without the need for a third party. You know, and, and that's happening. Yeah, and that's playing out in earnest. It's it's playing out in yeah. earnest over the past few weeks. We've seen this announcement between Apollo and JP Morgan uh, leveraging uh, blockchain technology for um, portfolio construction in alternative asset funds. Yeah. It's something that probably connects and ties into your business, right? Um, the added liquidity and transparency. And they're, they're using our friends at Oasis Pro. You know, I'm on the advisory board of Oasis Pro. So they made that announcement this morning. Uh, they have other announcements that they're going to likely make by the, the end of the year, which will be equally fascinating and exciting. Um but, uh, but Frank, man, I need a lot of hair dye these days. I would be grayer yeah, than your grandmother, grayer than your Nona, okay? Because of what you guys do to me in the crypto space, okay? Yeah, I was at a game night um, down here in Jersey a few weeks ago, and my friend's wife basically said that she needs to get me set up with her with her lady because um, it's just it's just getting pretty bad here. Um, my uncle well, Nino would, is totally very disappointed. Frank. That I haven't been coming in. early. Okay. You can't color yeah. late. Okay. As I tease my friend, Sean Hannity, he looks like a snowman now on <laughs> television. He could have, he could have colored early. You got to color early, Frank, you know? I think I'm about Especially to hit you. It. You got a good, you got a good healthy. Point. Yeah. Look, you got like, the, look, some Italians are bald, but not us. We, we yeah. are the Chia Pet Italians. Okay. I got the hair growing <laughs> like an Italian Chia Pet. You got to closer color to God in that sense. Amen. But, but, but Frank, Big lesson for your listeners and your viewers, okay? Stay in things. Don't get shaken out of them. Don't get don't get spooked. Um, I came out of Davos. Are some of these lessons are some of these lessons in in the book? Oh, you're talking about my new book. Yeah, hundred percent. So my new book uh yeah. is is From the White House to Wall Street and Back is the title of the book. It's coming out on uh, April mm-hmm. the sixteenth. And I'm, I'm blessed to have uh, Governor Schwarzenegger, uh, who read the book, read a manuscript of it. He endorsed it for me. Um, the subtitle is The Scaramucci Guide to Unbreakable Resilience. How you stay in things. Mm-hmm. You disregard the noise, disregard the no- music. I was fired and tor- torched from the White House, lit up by the late night comedians, roasted on cable television, parodied on Saturday Night Live. Uh, don't care. I'm in the game. Uh, I got lit up last year, arguably one of the worst years of my career. Bloomberg wrote a f- obituary. Basically, it was sort of sad to see my obituary while I was yeah. living. But I mean, they said I was dead and my business sucked and I was going to zero. Uh, and as I pointed out to Bloomberg a few weeks back, we're up only 65% since you guys wrote that. So hopefully you'll write another negative story about me soon, which will lead to uh, greater heights. Point being is, you I can't. remember when we talked about that story. I mean, you were you you were pretty fired up, and you don't necessarily. No, I, was, I was upset. Because you don't necessarily get angry that often. You're, no, you're but pretty, let me tell you why. You're I pretty was Teflon, fired. but you were you were pretty pissed off. Okay, but I want to tell you why I was fired up. If you're going to write a negative story about me, and there's a lot of 
things in there that are justifiably negative, my performance, and maybe some employees didn't like me or whatever it was. I get all that. And you're, it's absolutely fine to write that. But if I am willing to sit with you for two hours and take every one of your questions, do, do we not get at least a half a paragraph of a counter narrative? Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be just absolutely ridiculously one-sided. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. listen, free press, write whatever you want. Uh, uh, the woman who wrote it, I invited her to the SALT conference, don't care, but a little more balance would have been appreciated. But whatever, we're, we're through that. But, but Frank, we're going from that. I'm at the World Economic Forum last year. I leave San Moritz. I drive to Davos, Switzerland, mm-hmm. and I come out of the World Economic Forum. And one of the journalists says to me, what did you learn here? I said, well, Bitcoin's definitely going up in 2023. I said, well, why is that? I said, there were 3,000 delegates here that pronounced Bitcoin's death. Mm-hmm. Okay. And these mm-hmm. are the very same delegates in 07 that said the economy was going to the moon. Then it crashed. And then in 09, they said that the earth was going to open and we were all going to fall into Hades. Mm-hmm. And we started the largest bull market in U.S. economic history. In 2016, they said Hillary Clinton uh, was going to win the presidency. No problem. And in 2020, right before COVID, that very same group of people said that Donald Trump was going to win. So here we were at the end of uh, the conference, January 2023, where we're being told that Bitcoin's going to zero and it should be written off and, you know, decentralized pet rock and all this sort of nonsense. So what are the lessons that are in my book or what are the lessons that you explain to people on your wonderful podcast? Hey, man, ignore the noise stay in the game. Uh, Showing up and being present is literally 90% of the battle. Mm -hmm. And if you can see yourself through the, uh, to the other side um, and not to get biblical, but what does the Bible talk about? Seven fat years, seven years of drought. Okay. The parable is about recognizing that you're not going to catch everything right all the time. You know, we're talking about Amazon um, Amazon was written off by Barron's and others in the year 2000 when the stock went from 116 to eight. If you stayed with it, your $10,000 investment there is worth $17 million today at today's prices. And last time I checked, Jay, Jeff Bezos is shooting himself into outer space in his own rocket, Frank. Yeah. Okay. And he's, he's floating around he's in the fit. Mediterranean on his own yacht. You know, so, so, but they had him written off in 2000, dead. Amazon.bomb. So, so big lessons here. Stay in things. Don't, don't get shaken out of things due to changes in short-term sentiment. You uh, mentioned your your age. A lot of people, you know, most of their lessons, they especially when it comes to career or professional les- lessons, they ascertain them in early years, formative years. There's some, um, you know, our friend Mike Novogratz has some really um, interesting anecdotes from his dismissal or, or exit from, from Goldman. Um, but mm-hmm. are there any later, you know, careers are, can even be dynamic in later, um, parts of, mm-hmm. of, of their existence, the Sam, uh, tie in, tie up any lessons from that yeah. that you, well, I, mean, I, got, I mean, listen, I got, I got that completely wrong. Um, um, I have a text on my phone from you from a year mm-hmm. ago, where uh, you were one of the good guys that reached out to me and asked me, hey, are you okay? You know, the truth was, 
uh, I'm going to be okay, but am I okay right now? No, I'm reeling from what I thought was a legit real deal guy. Now, what I find amusing about the whole thing is you've got these guys that come out of the woodwork now and say, oh, I knew the whole time and they revise history. I had one person, I was at a luggage thing, picking up my luggage on a trip. The person comes over to me and says, well, I knew Sam was a fraud. How could you not have known Sam was a fraud? I looked over at him and I said, well, uh, didn't you have an account at FTX? Hmm. He didn't realize I remembered the car. Yes, I did. I said, well, if you had an account at FTX, how could you have known it was a fraud? You see what I mean? People revise the history and they try to pretend that they knew things that they didn't know. You know, nobody knew that Bernie Madoff was a fraud. After the fact, everybody said that they knew. I didn't know. You know what I mean? And then, and then secondarily, the, the Sam thing, you know, the, the communications consultants, the crisis communications consultants, don't talk to Frank Shapiro, Chaparro about it. Don't talk to Frank Chaparro about it. Okay. Why not? Well, it's, you're, you're raising it and you're creating too much publicity around it. I said, no, I see it the very opposite. I want my clients, my friends, my potential clients, the people I'm going to do business with to hear me out, know that I'm an open book, know that I'm willing to accept responsibility and talk about it. You see what I mean? Yeah. I have so many, I mentioned a few people's names once in an interview, they went crazy on me. What are you trying to do? You're trying to creep under the rug that you made the mistake and had money with Sam that you lost? Yes, I am. Okay, I don't live like that. I'm never going to live like that. I think the biggest issue any asset management firm or investor or trader could have made over the past year was effectively looking at what Sam did and then paint and then basically assuming that that meant that the value of crypto was less than that what less than it was with with Solana probably probably being the poster child, right? So many venture capitalists sat on the sidelines because they saw this token so much connected to and tied to Sam's empire that to you know it, it stands to reason, right? If if you have LPs, you're going to have to answer to them, and the question from them would be, why are you parking money into this Sam coin? But look at the run-up. I mean, we're at over 400% this year. And similarly with crypto, if you sort of sat on the sidelines because of this one once-in-a-generation financial calamity, you would have missed out on a lot of money. But anyway, that being said, let's maybe just talk about the market Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Um, Obviously, things look a bit better than they did with inflation print Mm -hmm. coming down and um, the you know less concerns, especially with recent earnings um, around potential recession. A lot of people are looking at this holiday season as a you know a, a forecast of how we expect the economic picture to shape up. What are you anticipating, and um, are there any sort of um, negative signals that you're potentially looking for? Obviously, if macro is not looking great, that's not great for crypto. Oh well, number one. The Lucy from Peanuts rug pull from the SEC related to the Bitcoin Cash ETF. They still have it in their authority to write a memo and say that they need to continue to review this and reject the applications and they can come up with some procedural reason. It'll get challenged in the courts, but it could delay the authorization for a Bitcoin ETF 
for six to 12 months. So that's number one. I don't think the marketplace, mm-hmm. it's a weird marketplace. I, I don't think the marketplace has fully priced in the positive input pact of that ETF because I think there are skeptics out there like me that think there could be a rug pull. But I will also say there's enough people that have priced it in where if there is a rug pull, you could see a drop, short-term drop in crypto prices in general, Bitcoin Mm. specifically. So that's one that I worry about. Number two, I think it's fairly evident to most people around the world and most adults in the United States that we're going to be choosing between dementia and demented. So the bumper stickers will be, do you want Mm -hmm. someone that has dementia or do you want someone that's completely demented to be the president of the United States? And the demented one's on his way to dementia. And so they have a combined age of 158 years on the planet. And I'm all for respecting my, I'm all for respecting my olders, but let me tell you something, the same way Michael Jordan was having a hard time, greatest basketball player in history at 42 playing in the NBA at age 78 and age 80, these are the wrong ages for American presidents. Okay. Until you're telling me about some elixir. My favorite fun fact is that Trump's grandfather was born before the civil war. Okay. So there you go. Think about that. So, so the magnitude of that I think is weighing on people. And, you know, if you have an event where somebody like Kamala Harris becomes the president, I think that impacts the entire situation a lot. I mean, what sort of prescriptions aside from her capabilities um, do you think would impact markets? Well, I think the treasury markets would be impacted. If you you put somebody at the top of the government, whatever you think of Joe Biden, he's staffed appropriately and he's been a senior person in the American government, five decades of service to the American government, there's continuity there. Okay. Even Trump, uh, as much as I don't want him to be president again, because I think he's a threat to the democracy, I think people would say, okay, he'll staff reasonably appropriately and he's inside the mainstream as it relates to budget processing. I think she's just ridiculously unproven. And I think a lot of this stuff is confidence. Mm. I can remember the night that Trump won the presidency. The markets traded off for about two hours. When it became clear that he was winning, Mm -hmm. the market soared. They saw him, rightly or wrongly, as a pro-business guy. They will not see Kamala Harris like that. They'll see her as a woke-leaning, virtue-signaling person at the top of the U.S. government. Yeah, it seems all about narratives, yeah. right? And like, I think I think I think that impacts the confidence. So, so listen. I mean, there's a, there's a group of people you could bring onto your podcast and say the government doesn't matter. Focus on the business. I disagree with that now because the government, at least in my life, is over fifty percent of my business. If I if I make a dollar here in New York, fifty two cents of it shoots out the door. I'm a minority partner in my mm-hmm. own life. I get to keep 48 cents. 52 goes to uh, Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul and uh, Joe Biden. I mean, they're my they're my majority partners. You know, and that's why I tell people you got to get involved in the hiring decisions, particularly when you're now a minority partner in your own life. So, so to me, if she wins mm-hmm. the presidency, God forbid, if something happens to Joe Biden or he gets reelected and something happens to him in a second term, you know, uh, you know. Uh, you, you had the inauguration of FDR in 1944, and by April, he died on April 12th or April 13th of 1944, uh, you know, and then boom, you got Harry Truman as your president for three years and three quarters. And thank God he was an able and capable guy. 
But you know, this is this is scares people. I think this threatens the macro environment. Okay. Um, you could have a, you could have a debt crisis, Frank. No one's really talking about it. Um, but if you continue to government debt or consumer debt, what's what are both government, government debt? The consumer yeah. consumer is reasonably tilting over levered now. They were in a savings position three years ago. After credit COVID card started. delinquencies are apparently signaling a. 2024 recession. Yeah, they're tilting. They're tilting to over leverage now, but it's really the government. You know, the government's printing money hand over fist, and you've got a trillion dollars of interest rate expenses. Mm-hmm. They, of course, can't afford it. They don't have the tax revenues coming in to meet it, so they'll they'll print money to make up the shortfall. You know, whatever you think of the Argentinian president, he said if, if printing money is going to make you rich, then printing diplomas would make you smart. You know, you know, meaning you know, you know, this can't go on forever. You can't you can't make that math work forever. It eventually comes home to bite you, and and it has in the U.S. It, it's bitten middle class and lower middle class living standards. Mm-hmm. You take a U.S. dollar in seventy one, thirty five dollars an ounce. Twenty twenty three, fifty two years later, two thousand dollars an ounce. You really hammered the money. You took the money down ninety eight percent. Two U.S. dollars in nineteen seventy one have the purchasing power of a $100 bill today. And if you stop and think about the magnitude of that, um, that that's hurt the middle and lower middle class. People that are working with their hands for their income, they get damaged. If you own assets or you own Bitcoin or stocks or real estate, it's a comfortable hedge against this type of monetization, but it's still not perfect. You know, and it, and, and listen, Frank, I'm not a naysayer. I'm a big bull on the United States and a big bull that we can solve all these problems. I'm just responding to the question, what could go wrong? Those are the things that can go wrong. What could go right is you get the cash ETF approved. BlackRock begins that process alongside of ARC and Fidelity and others. They sell that product to their clients. It goes into a tactical asset allocation, broad-based macro strategy around Wall Street. Uh, 50 to $80 billion of Bitcoin is purchased over the next year, which raises the market valuation to over a trillion dollars. That could happen. You know, you get a soft landing in the economy where the inflation numbers are coming down, but the economy is still strong. Uh, Biden wins the presidency and stays healthy for four years. Uh, so you have some continuity there. If Trump wins, I think you get this short-term burst for business. But I think he, as he showed last time, he's too high maintenance and too reckless. He'll be driving people crazy again with these tweets and all that. You other- think if Trump, you think if Trump wins, he'll, I mean, surely that will be the last term or is that not a guarantee? No, no. The way it works is he's entitled to one more term. Yeah, of course. I'm saying if he wins and then serves out that second term, do you think that there will be weird funny business at the end of it. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's very possible. He's got a staff that believes in expanding executive power. He has a group of people around him that don't like the demography of America. America is becoming too brown and too black for them. And they don't like the demography. And so if the whites are not going to be in power, democracy works. The whites are in power. They're the preponderance of the population. Oh, wait a minute. The Whites are going to slip to below the majority of the population. Okay, let's change the rules. If the whites are not going to be in power, mm. let's change the rules. And by the way, 
you know these people think like that. It's not just me saying it. Go listen to them. Go listen to the podcast. Listen to how they talk about the situation. And it's un-American to somebody like me. You know, your family, my family benefited from the flat structure of America. The founders understood that people don't do well with power. Something happens to us when we get power. We get corrupted Mm -hmm. or we get headstrong or we get full of ourselves. And that in order to protect the individual, we have to flatten out the power in a society and create lots of checks and balances. Saved us from Gary Gensler, the Bitcoin community, the crypto community. Uh, was saved by the founders. You know, Gensler ordained as a czar that certain things were not going to happen. And they were against the standing administrative laws in the country. And so his edicts were challenged in the court and the court reversed what he was saying. So that That is the beauty of what we've got now. If you get into a situation where they start wrecking the checks and balances, what happens in a society like that is a very small group of people get very, very rich at the top that are currying favor with the ruling party or the ruling family, and the rest of the people get screwed, Frank. The promise of America has been that we have never allowed that to happen in this country. Do you think, what do you think is the story behind Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler? I think we spoke about this last time you joined the show. It, it looks at It looks like they're kind of losing. Well, they are losing... But winning too. I mean, it's a mixed bag. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren definitely cut a deal with President Biden when he was vice president. Okay, he's running for the presidency. He's got to go into South Carolina to win. She drops out of the race alongside of Buttigieg and a few others, and he cuts them deals. Mm -hmm. And she has to stay in the Senate because they can't tip the balance because it's so fragile. So she can't go into the cabinet. But she wants to be the de facto president for financial services. So Biden says no problem. She selects Gary Gensler. Gensler is one of her acolytes. She has decided that she hates crypto. She has decided she has a superficial look at the asset. It is mathematical blather and a uh, transparent, openly sourced spreadsheet. That's all it is to her. And so she doesn't understand that this is not that. This is a store of value. Uh, This is digital property, or this is electric money to quote Saylor, Michael Saylor. And this is a store of value Mm -hmm. that is impregnable and immutable. And so you have two choices. You can understand that and support it and regulate around it propitiously, or you can denounce it and try to stop it. Now you have people in the banking community that she rails on, the irony is she rails on these people in the banking community, but she accepts donations from them. Yeah. And so now she's got people in the banking community telling her yes. And they're supporting her on her anti-crypto crusade as well. stick it to the anti-crypto people. And she's polled it. And for a a group of people, it polls well. So she puts those things out on Twitter that she's packing this crypto, anti-crypto army and support her. And Gensler is one of her acolytes. When you say that they're losing... They will eventually lose, yes, but they're still both in power and they both have a lot of sway over the regulatory situation in the space, you know. I think with the backdrop of of an FTX melting down and crypto prices being in the toilet, they have a bit of leverage, uh, no pun intended. But in a market where people are making money, I mean, 
there are millions of Americans in, in key demographic groups that don't want to see their access or their ability to engage with Web3 diminished or hindered. Well, not only not only do I agree with that, but I would say something to you that I think maybe you'll you'll agree with. You've got, according to Dan Tapiero, seventy three mm-hmm. million cryptocurrency wallets in the U.S. Now, maybe some people have more than one wallet, but let's just say there's sure. thirty million adults that have cryptocurrencies. There's thirty million voters that uh, have a pocketbook, a wallet that they may vote. Mm-hmm. With, and so you know that could hurt Biden. Now, now Trump doesn't like crypto either. Yeah. By the way. If you listen to his rhetoric on crypto, he doesn't like it. But Trump is more malleable. Now, he could change yeah. too in a in a general election. He definitely. I mean, that's more so speaking to the, which is weird because he's not necessarily a, a hawk in the same way that like a, a Nikki Haley or Chris Christie might be. But it, it, that kind of speaks to the the more national security element of preserving the integrity of the dollar that seems to be a, a thread within the Republican Party, whereas um, which seems less powerful than the more consumer protection bent of of a of a um, Senator Warren. Totally. I completely but maybe not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with you. But, you know, I think you're right. They're going to lose long term and they've lost a few cases on the margin, but they can still wreak havoc on us. And uh, I don't, I'm not a doom and gloomer. I do think that if, if you put a gun to my head and said, will this Bitcoin mm. Cash ETF be approved by January 10th? I'm going to say mm. yes, because it just makes the most sense. You know, that's Occam's razor. Whatever the most obvious outcome will likely happen. But you could also say to me, hey, you know what? Yeah, they, it could take another six months or something. That long going to pull the rug again. I'm not going to sit here and be There's surprised. many different opinions on when it sort yeah. of, when yeah, you I'm get not the decision. But it that. seems like on the whole more of a, of a when than, than if. What does the appetite look like in terms of clients interested in accessing crypto via these funds? What sense do you have given your seat in your business? Is it, so that's a is really it, good question. And so I'm going to say something to you that's sort of this unspoken, not so secret uh, reality of Wall Street. So the not so secret reality of Wall Street is that products are sold and not bought. And so I just want you to imagine an army, a legion of people <laughs> who are going to be selling. They're going to bring coffee and donuts to these brokerage offices or these FA yeah. offices, and they're going to be man- giving the mantra speech about Bitcoin. And they're going to tell people put 1% in Bitcoin. And these are people that are traditionally buying ETFs. They're buying S&P ETFs or S&P dividend ETFs or bond ETFs. And now they'll have this ability to buy the Bitcoin ETF, which has been approved by the federal government. And it's been the best performing asset in the last 10 years, bar none. And so I think that these products, this product, the Bitcoin Cash ETF, they're going to unleash a tens of thousands of people's sales force. Can can you break down the the differences between the client profile of someone who I'm sure you have folks taking uh, allocators of capital out for donuts for your private funds? What Mm -hmm. is the profile targeting those or what is the profile of, of that group and what's the profile of folks who maybe 
are so, waiting for that cash Bitcoin ETF. Yeah. So the profile of that group is a higher threshold group. Those are people that typically have a million dollars of net worth, a couple hundred thousand dollars in earnings, sort of a higher threshold. That's sort of the mass affluent. The target audience for Bitcoin, you know, you in an ETF, you could put $500, $1,000, $2,000 up to an infinite number in, in an ETF. And so you have a much broader cross-section of people that go to brokers for advice or go to Fidelity for advice. And then you get the self-brokerage community, you know, people that are going on E-Trade or Fidelity.com to do their buys and sells. So there's a whole group of people there that could also be contacted and and drive prices. And so the phenomena that people are not fully getting, mm. and this is why I say that the cash ETF approval isn't fully priced into the marketplace, is that you don't have the traditional money managers in Bitcoin right now. You may have them in it personally. You may have in very tiny amounts. But I'm talking about somebody making a tactical asset allocation decision is running a billion dollars. He's going to put 1% or $10 million into Bitcoin and spread it out among, among their clients. We don't have that right now. And you will get that as a result of this approval. And I think people are underestimating the power of Wall Street's marketing element to sell a product story like that. Remember, talking about narratives, it's all about the narrative. I need you to own some digital property. Uh, it's a good diversifier. As Kathy Woods says, it's a diversifier against inflation and deflation. It's just a great store of value. And you 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 get do the math. Right? Yeah. Let's just take Fidelity at four trillion and BlackRock at seven trillion. Okay. So one percent, we're talking about uh no, I don't know, $110 billion going into Bitcoin. And those are just those two companies. So just add up the other ones that have all filed and add up the ones that are going to add on file after the fact. Yeah, the the idea or the a paradigm in which or reality in which everyone who's setting up, you know, their 401k or some sort of investment account, having those options for, you know, conservative to aggressive, some some sort of sliding scale of that, including crypto, that just doesn't exist today at all. And the 99.9% of wealth within the FA community doesn't touch crypto at all, except for maybe coin. You could call up a broker and they can buy you some coin. But aside from that, most people yeah. won't even get yeah. you. I mean, so, I mean, so, so you're making the case for me. Just imagine winning some of those people over. And remember, prices change on the margin, you know? And so if you have net gross demand that is up 20, 30%, and you have net gross supply that we know is mathematically going down 50%, uh, you could have a price shock, you know? And you've, Frank, you've been in this market longer than me. You, you know if I told you right now, it's two years from now, Bitcoin's at $100,000 as a result of this unfolding, is that going to be unrealistic to you? No. No, I think it's totally within striking distance. Now, we could also have things that are happening or we could have governmental movements or 
forcible regulation globally, but I think that genie's already out of the bottle. I don't, I don't think they have the capability of doing that right now. Yeah, and we can only really get we can only get and, more and, clarity and look, as well. Happen, you know? Outside of the ETF issue, we can only right. have something like Binance seems to be settling now with the government. They probably have the money to do that. Um, obviously, the mm-hmm. SEC struggling really hard in their cases against Grayscale and seemingly Coinbase. So. Two bills as well going through Congress, the stablecoin bill, the market structure bill. So the the upside seems to be more regulatory clarity in addition to the these these added um, financial um, or rather these ramps of inflows of capital. So there's two sort of um, tailwinds there. And I think the, the Binance thing can't be understated, the fact that we now have clarity about um, – the extent to which this market participant that is a key player could have been blown out, we now know. And I think that's why you're seeing these these coins rally on the news, even BNB rallying on the news. I mean, that's pretty pretty striking. Um, I think someone did the math. And well, but that's also smart governmental policy, right? So, so you know, you, you had situations, Frank, with the uh, mutual fund timing scandals going back into the early 2000s where you could have knocked out some very big players. The government decided not to do that. You had a situation in 2008, if they didn't fund the CDS exposure Mm -hmm. that AIG had. So remember, it was uh, Goldman and a collection of other businesses, Citadel, et cetera, that owned the credit default swaps on Lehman Brothers. And that was backed by a AAA asset known as AIG. Well, AIG couldn't come up with the money because they had compression on their portfolio and their balance sheet. The government had to lend AIG $180 billion to clear those trades. If they didn't clear those trades, we would have had an even greater, more wild financial calamity. My point is, is that you're now set up where it's almost, it's too big to fail. Yeah. You know, it, there's, there's a, it's begetting a level of momentum where the government is like, hey, I'm not going to put CZ out of business. Hey, I'm not going to put Goldman no, and Citadel. Going to hurt them hard, but not going to put them out of business. Yeah, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to fine them. We're going to give the 180 million dollars, but they're going to pay a steep interest rate. Have to pay us back. But the government could say, "Hey, I'm sorry, we're shutting CZ down. We're shutting Binance down. And if you're linked to it some way, and your bank is tied to the Fed, we're going to give them problems. That would remarkably impair." Binance. But the government says, no, we're going to pay a fine. We have hedge fund manager friends of mine that were accused of different things and they were allowed to pay fines and stay in business. You see what I mean? Do you think those hedge hedge funds are more keen to invest in crypto um, a year out from everything that we went through? Um, I do. And I do. I don't don't see how you're going to be able – it's going to become an asset class. Okay, so in other words, not every hedge fund is invested in gold, but a very large swath of hedge funds are invested in gold or the gold ETF. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be perfect saturation, but again, everything is on next level demand. Just imagine 10% of the hedge funds are saying, okay, I got to have some exposure. There's $6 trillion in the marketplace. So that's $600 billion. And let's say each manager puts in 1%. 
that's six to, you know, say it's one to two percent, six to twelve billion dollars of buying demand. Right. And you just do that, you just do that exponentially, and it will have a steep impact on prices. Now, again, things aren't perfect. The war could last longer sure. than we all expect in the Ukraine. We have this calamitous situation in the Middle East. We have I don't know. It felt like we were having some really good meetings with the Chinese last week, and then the president called the president a dictator. It seems like that's cooled. Um, I mean, they're giving us pandas. Um, Biden's remembering his uh, the, the <laughs> Chinese president's wife's birthday. So there is some uh, seems to be some cooling um, or normalization of relations that I I don't think many people expected out of that trip. But it's a very unpredictable situation. I yeah. mean, we could but, talk about, but, you know, but I mean, yeah, look, the, Chi- the Chinese need us. I'm just make this one point. Yeah. The Chinese have a real estate and banking crisis going on. Yeah. They need us. And whether Americans like it or not, we need them. I think that the Chinese are, are have been caught a bit surprised by the extent to which their economy is really slowing. And so while they've been, they've been slightly aggressive in in terms of their Navy presence and whatnot. I think they realize they have to be a bit more friendly. They can't, they can't sort of go balls in being anti-American, given that they need us for their economy to thrive. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think you're right. Po- talking politics for a second. I mean, I'm curious. It's not really relevant to what we talk about on the show, but is there anything you think that some of these candidates can can do to? get Trump off of 50% and above in the polls? I mean, it just seems almost hopeless. I mean, They're all picking at each, picking so at each other. And- I would, and listen, I, and I want to disclose to all your listeners and viewers, I, I'm, I'm a Chris Christie supporter. I've given him money. I've offered time and energy and support behind his yeah. campaign. And, you know, Chris has made a case against Trump. But what I would like to see, and I've made, made this clear to them, and I've said this to others, if, if let's say I were running for president, which of course I never would run for president, but if I was running for president, I would say, listen, I'm running for president. I understand why you are supporting Trump. My job today and over the next 90 days is to explain to you why I am a better choice for, for you than Donald Trump. Vivek is kind of doing yeah, that. So Vivek is the only one that's kind of doing that, but he won't. Or Vivek, I should Vivek, say. Vivek, but he, he won't do it. To the extent that it needs to be done. He doesn't have, in other words, Christie's coming mm. from an attack position and Vivek is under attacking. Okay. And what I would say to the American public is you want the same policies and you don't want the drama or the crazy. And you want somebody that has executive management skills that can help run the process out of the White House, empower the 5,000 people working for he or she to affect positive reform and change for you, the American people. And whether you like Mr. Trump or don't like Mr. Trump, he's got four years where he could do that. He doesn't have eight anymore. He's 78. He's got a whole Mm -hmm. large group of people that absolutely can't stand him. And we're at a point in America, we're at a crisis point in America, where we need to find somebody that's going to transcend the current politics and try to to help the nation come together. And so the case has to be made for Trump in the following respect. I get why you're supporting him. And here are the policies that I agree with him on, but this is why you should choose me over him. Okay. Nikki Haley should be saying that 
Uh, Chris Christie should be saying that, but they're not. You know, Nikki's more or less ignoring them. Christie's bat- basically Christie's bashing them. Okay, and I understand that, and I agree with a lot of what Chris is saying, and I am supporting Chris, but I would like more of. This is why, yes, right now, choice one is Trump. I may be choice two or three, uh, but I want to become choice one. I want Trump to be your choice number two. Now, let me explain why. Mm-hmm. And so we're not doing that. No one's, no one's presented that case. You know, and, and here's the other thing. Americans are very smart, despite what the political consultants tell these politicians. And so explain to the American people what's really going wrong, you know? Let's take Argentina for a second, okay? I don't agree with everything the right-wing president-elect believes, but a lot of the things he said were true. You know, you're not Mm going to inflate your way to wealth and prosperity. You're not going to uh, demoralize the entire society and cause a lack of trust in the currency or the property that you use to transact with each other as opposed to barter. Uh, you took a very rich country and turned it into a poor, mediocre country in a hundred years through really wickedly bad policies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we know that socialism doesn't work, Frank, because it it spoils the incentive game for people. And it also creates a uh, lack of meritocracy. We know that. You know, we have 150 years of data that supports what I'm saying. And we can see the wreckage of a place like Argentina. So now these people are completely fed up and they went all the way over to the right on the pendulum. Okay. And, and are we much better than them? Are we that much better than them? I don't want hard right leadership in the country that could potentially strip away the checks and balances in the system any more than I want hard left in the country that's talking about nonsense like socialism. Look, I'm about equal opportunity. I don't want a poor kid not to get a good education, but I'm not about equal outcomes. I don't deserve the money that Jeff Bezos has. Jeff Bezos created a system that everyone is using uh, and it's lower mm-hmm. prices, efficient, speed, speedy, lower prices, faster delivery, speedy system. And he made himself $150, $200 billion doing that. God bless him. He deserves the economic rent associated with that bold idea and the execution of that idea. The flip side is, okay, you got to give somebody that has nothing an opportunity. We're a rich enough country mm-hmm. to provide a package of services to somebody where irrespective of the luck of the draw of their birth, they're here in the United States, one of the richest nations in yeah. history. Let's give them a, 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 a chance at the starting block. So, so you know, we're screwed up right now because no one is – I have heard no politician, Frank, frame it the way I just described it. But if they did, I think the people would be receptive to it. The reason why Vivek or Vivak, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name, is doing so well with a large group of young supporters is at least he is explaining it. Now, I don't like some of the things he says, and I don't, I'm not in love with him bringing Nikki Haley's daughter up in the debate. I don't think you do that. You don't go after the kids in the debate. You don't ever bring up the kids. You know, when, when Trump brought up my wife on Twitter, I'm like, hey, man, she's a civilian. There's no, I gave you a million dollars personally to help you become president. If you don't like what I'm saying, attack me, but don't go after my wife. I mean, who the hell are mm-hmm. you to do that? You see what I mean? And so we, we've, we've, yeah. we've, we've got this wrecking ball going where there's no decorum and a result of which if there's no decorum, you've got people and they're showing this on YouTube where congressmen are threatening to beat each other up. 
I know. You know? Did you see I that? See that was, yeah, I mean, come was... on, guys. We're better than that. Can't act like we're in a we're in an eighth grade lunchroom. You know, so so yeah. yeah, we can fix these problems, Frank, but it's gonna take a bit. Hopefully. It's gonna take a bit of crypto. Um well, I, well I, we got to check. Maybe we'll reach out to the former governor, see what his position is on, on crypto. Christie, Although Christie's I'm bit, positive I'm, on crypto. I'm, Wouldn't be with him if he wasn't. Christie's attitude is okay, a so you've got the crypto element. You've got half half Sicilian. He's so a libertarian. His attitude is we want to build it here. It's going to get built somewhere. Don't lose the capital, intellectual or otherwise, from the United States. Okay. Speaking of that, and it's a great way to close because I know we only have a few more minutes with you, but America's not the only horse in town or the only game in town. You're all over the place, Dubai, um, Asia, Singapore, building out salt and your other businesses. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it feel like, do you feel more energy um, as it pertains to crypto Mm -hmm. elsewhere? No question. Crypto has been blunted in the United States. You don't have to go by me. You can ask Brian Armstrong, Mike Novogratz, other leaders in the industry, uh, it's been blunted in the U.S. because of the lack of regulatory leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's flourishing in London. It's flourishing in the UAE. It's about to flourish in the in Hong Kong. You know, it's going to be held back in mainland China. But just think of the Chinese government controls Hong Kong. They're allowing it in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's flourishing in other places. It's been held back by the Gensler Warren. Uh, Batman and Robin, anti, you know, like Ghostbusters or anti-Bitcoin <laughs> busters. They're driving around in the ambulance wreaking dramatic <laughs> havoc on all of us, you know. <laughs> Only you can put it in such a uh, interesting, dynamic way. <laughs> um, thanks for taking the time to come on the program. Really appreciate it. You're the best, Frank. Thank yeah, you, man. Thank you. It's always good to be with you. Man. Yeah, pleasure was mine. Right.